there, folks, and welcome or welcome back to Nippon Trading International's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again, and this podcast is brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis of realestate.jp. He's a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families who are looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's an Australian. He's been living here in Japan for over two decades now. And for about half of that time, he's been buying, selling and managing real estate properties in Tokyo on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So he's got dedicated loan officers in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts Panel Sessions, which means that you're already aware of the fact that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan, and in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area, and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, drop him a line on sales at realestate.jp. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. Okay, so for today's episode, this one's a conversation with a new potential client, clients, I should say. They're a group of friends from Sweden who are interested in buying a holiday home or condo for their own personal use. So we naturally talk a bit about joint ownership, the advantages and disadvantages of houses as opposed to condo units, um, stuff like dealing with neighbors, owner unions, etc., restrictions on usage, maintenance, and how the age of the structure affects maintenance costs and so forth. And then we dig into their specific criteria. We talk a bit about what can be purchased within an hour from Metro Tokyo for a budget of 9 million Japanese yen, approximately. So places like Yokohama, Chiba, um, Saitama, etc., but also smaller townships, which then led us to a discussion about city versus country life in Japan. And finally, we touch on how to engage our services here at NTI, how negotiations and discounts work in Japan, and what to expect from the purchase process generally. So nice, well-rounded conversation on all things related to holiday home purchases in Japan. Hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you again on the other side. Oh, there you are. Okay. So I've just scrolled down. Give me a second. I'll scroll down through your email again. Um, so you were asking about a group group holiday home kind of thing. Was that it? Yeah, that's a that's a good summary, I guess. Okay. And the planet. Sorry, I'm just trying to find the original. There were a few messages there. Um, so you were asking about um the documents but i'm just trying to see do you want rather than me just scrolling down do you want to give me a rough <laughs> idea of um what kind of house location budget what you were thinking about uh yeah let's see how much i'll be able to drag from uh, from memory and how much uh we have yeah, some, i mean we we're have also a... scrolling down to try and understand yeah exactly yeah yeah i mean just gonna dig up we have a we have a document uh, around here somewhere which we have gathered some some uh joint information in which uh, i uh, of course did not open beforehand oh, i found uh, it <laughs> vacation home allowing for longer stays coming and going through the year um budget is approximately nine million yen uh saitama city um, management, maintenance, apartments versus houses. 
Okay, so there's a lot to unpack there. Um, so first of all, I, I think Natalia answered most of your questions, but yes, you can do everything remotely if you'd like. Um, officially, Japanese realtors, especially the ones in the countryside, and this is a little bit countryside, um, wouldn't be able to work directly with foreigners unless you're um, completely fluent in Japanese and can read legal documents and contracts and so forth. So even if you are physically here, you can join us for the signing meeting, but you'll probably still need us to conduct the actual transaction on your behalf. And um, the other thing is, are you planning to purchase um, as joint ownership individuals or are you going to be setting up some company who's going to be purchasing under its name? What, what's the idea that? Yeah, the original idea was to uh, purchase it all us uh, us together, so to speak, as as private individuals. Okay, so five parties with twenty percent each, or is it fifty? Uh, how, how? Yeah, how I, yeah. I guess it would be something. I guess. We, yeah, that that's what we've been leaning towards. There okay. might be some, but but in in general, that that's the idea. Yeah. Okay, just um, legal and registration costs are not extremely high in Japan, but the most we've done so far was three people. So I'm not sure if it's the same cost or if because they need to split the title deeds, it might be slightly higher. Um, so the registration costs might be a little bit higher than normal, but they're quite low in Japan in any case. We might and... be able to do it per household, in which case we'd be three. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, if there's individual... Um, family members or spouses and so forth, it's still a split title deed. You, you can't own it as a household. You can own it as ah, one okay. individual or as a corporate entity. Those are the only options in Japan. I see. So Thank you. it's either individual individuals, I don't know how quite to say that, or a corporate <laughs> entity. And um, the. So you're just going to be using it yourselves. There's not going to be any rentals, short term stays, anything of that sort involved, if I understand correctly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, hmm. 9 million yen in and around Saitama should definitely be doable for a house. It's not going to be brand new, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean that, that's that's of course one of the that's of course one of the, the major factors where we're where we're out of our depth are because we, I mean we have been looking around a bit on our, on our own just like looking around house listings and stuff like just to get an idea of what can we expect like is this even is this even possible and then we can see and, and then we, of course we can see some house that okay this looks nice and it's it's a quite I mean it's, it will fit us and it is in our in our price range but I mean we. Can, I mean, it's hard for us to say. Okay, why is this one so much cheaper than what this one is, and so and so on? But that's that's kind of where we need <laughs> experts. The main difference would normally be, I mean, all things being equal, the main differences would be the age of the structure and um, obviously the location. How far of a walking distance is it to a station? How far a drive or a train is it to a major city? Um, if there are differences in properties that are comparable on those fronts, then there might be. Either one of them is maybe um, overpriced or the other one might have some caveats or issues with it that we're going to discover during due diligence. So if they're not written down in the listing, the agent in any case is obliged to report them when we contact them. So that's usually those are usually the only reasons that would account for such big differences. But, but you have browsed, so you have seen properties that do fit within your budget, have you? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, n now and then we come across so, so and, and just to, uh, yeah, maybe I'm getting, uh, maybe I'm getting ahead of uh, ourselves. But when, I mean, we, I know that we in our initial initial mail 
we mentioned like Saitama as the uh, like the the main main uh, location that we're looking at uh, yeah. when when we when we have been talking since then we've I, I think we still since we since some of us are familiar with Saitama that's like one that we're looking at the most around that area but in in the end I think we kind of agreed on like somewhere in the greater Tokyo metropolitan area where it's uh, roughly like a maximum one one hour train route right like within that uh, radius so it doesn't have necessarily be Saitama but we've been looking at that mainly but uh, with, okay. with 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 the radius of a, a roughly one hour train uh, is what we've been with it's what we're going for now, if you've been following this podcast for a while, and in particular our JREP sessions, you're probably more than familiar with Blanca Kobayashi of Arc Reform. They're a bilingual renovation company serving clients in the Kanagawa and Kanto area, so Tokyo, Chiba, Saitama, Kawasaki, Yokohama. They can handle simple, small-scale projects as well as full house renovations, and they will work with you on the perfect design for your dream family home. But not only homes, Arc Reform also handle commercial property renovations, offices, restaurants, bars, shops, you name it, from traditional classics to the latest trends in interior design and renovations. So you want to email them for a free consultation and quote at info at arcreform.com. That's A-R-K reform, all one word, dot com, and give your home or commercial space the love and care that it deserves. So the major yes. metro center that you want to be close to is definitely Tokyo, not other cities. Uh, yeah, we, we, yeah, we, we have been going a bit of back and forth that, but but in the end, we we uh, landed that that's uh, that's where we're gonna get like most, yeah, m most out of it uh, for for yeah. uh, as, as we intend to use the property, so to speak. Okay, well, if, if you're talking about mm -hmm. something within an hour from Tokyo, I think Saitama is a very good idea. It's one of the one of the best cities that you can reach, and it's actually more like thirty minutes from Tokyo. Um, otherwise, uh, suburban Yokohama, Chiba City, they're probably all options as well. Um, the house itself, do you want the house to be in a relatively large city or do you are you okay with it being completely countryside, very small towns and so forth? Um, yeah, I, hmm. I guess it's hard to say for sure. I, I think... It's a lifestyle choice uh, more than anything else, I suppose. Yeah, I, th I think when when I mean that's what correct me if I'm wrong. I think when we talked about, it, I think the the main, uh, I, I think, I think we're kind of flexible in that regard as long as as long as we are like in commute distance from, for example, like a bigger city or, or Tokyo, so to speak. So as yeah. long as like that commute distance is not too too big, then then where we actually have the the home is not as as relevant because where it is is going to be like this is our area this is where we live uh, so to speak um, okay. but are you aware that you you can't actually register uh, i mean you can own but you can't own a car that you will be registered to drive in japan if you're on a non-resident um, visa so if that's a factor we should probably look for places that are within walking distance to a train station because um if we're really looking at smaller towns or countryside properties um, some there'll be some attractive homes, but they're going to be a drive or or a bus to the nearest train station. So is that something that you'd want to consider or do you want to be because you can't again, you can't own and register a car to drive in Japan? No, I don't think a car was ever in the uh, equation okay. for us, okay. but it's good to, mm, to well, clarify that. Yeah. We mentioned it, that's like a thing that we could look at if it was possible, but if it's not possible, then yeah, trains would definitely be preferable. I mean. 
Okay, so we're it's talking gonna, something like maybe up to 15 minutes walk to a train station. Would that be reasonable? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's uh that, that's actually what we have. that's actually what we have written down as uh, as well. Okay. So I mean within these parameters, which I mean you're flexible, which is good. Uh, within these parameters, if if I had a choice in the matter and I I'd be making recommendation, I'd probably stay go for the youngest property that you can find because they're not built of very durable materials in Japan. They're mostly light wooden houses or at best maybe steel framed wooden houses, uh, which means that within about 25 years, the maintenance expenses start piling up. So if we can, um, like if you're flexible on other things and we have two comparable properties, I'd go for the younger one if you could, right? Assuming the, the location, the size, the, the, the floor plan are both within reason, probably stick mm -hmm. to the younger ones. So uh, if we were to be, I mean, we're obviously happy to look at listings that you already found on your own, but if we are going to be researching them, we'll probably start with limiting the research to 20 years and younger. Mm -hmm. And then only if we can't really find anything that you're happy with within that search, we'd slowly expand to 25 years, 30 years. Beyond that, you're looking at three, 4,000 bucks on average for annual maintenance. So I'd probably stick to the younger ones if you could. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's all the information that I really need to start a search, unless there's anything else that you want to uh, give to me or any questions that you want to ask. I mean, you figured out, I think we had a few exchanges on the documents and engagement and so forth. So I think you understand basically how we work, right? Yeah, I think I have a fairly good idea. I think I have a good, pretty good idea. Um... Yeah. So we can put in a couple of hours of free research and we can constantly correspond on listings that you found and tell you what we think about them. We don't charge for that. Once you want us to start um, contacting agents and sellers, organizing viewing, submitting offers, conducting due diligence, all of that sort of thing we'll need to be engaged for, mm -hmm. which means yep. that we'll need those two documents uh, signed and witnessed, and we'll need our fee estimate paid in advance, and then we'll credit or debit you after the settlement, depending on whatever the end purchase price ends up being. That's basically yeah, yeah. I, th I think that sounds uh, yeah exactly. I think that sounds reasonable because that's that's, that's kind of where we're, where we are at because that's exactly where we are right now. I think that I mean we like I said we have been looking at uh, we have been looking a little bit at our, at our uh, on our own just to see get, get an idea, but to have someone who actually knows the things better to give us an idea. Okay, here are the things that we think you could uh, here are the things that we think you could uh, afford, so to speak. Uh, so that that's kind of what we what, that's kind of what we need right now in our process. So that sounds uh, sounds okay. uh, correct. And, and it's I, I mean, there's a lot of toing and froing in the process as well. So we'll send you potential listings. You'll tell us, you know, you'll you'll help narrow us down to say what tell us what you like about them, what you don't like about them. Then the next round will be more uh, fine tuned to what you're looking for. And there's also going to be uh, probably I mean, if we're lucky, it'll be the first property you like that you'll end up settling on, but because you're you're talking about a, I mean, it's not a super high budget, but it's not super cheap either. I mean, it's it's a significant amount of money, and we're hoping for a property with good bones. So, I'd probably say it would be a good. It's totally up to you, but it would probably be a good idea before you actually sign anything to have a structural inspection done. Um, unless I mean, if the property was built three years ago, but I don't think we'll get anything at that price that was so young. So otherwise, probably. <laughs> yeah. It's probably a good idea to spend the thousand or two thousand dollars on a structural inspection. Uh, the price will vary depending on the size of the house, 
if they can and will access the roof, if they can and will access the base to, to check on the concrete. So somewhere between a thousand to two thousand uh, dollars would be the structural inspection. But I, I mean, we'll we'll proceed without one if you want to. But it's probably a good idea to get it done because if there's something major that's going to cost the price of the house again to repair, it's probably not a good idea to yep. go for it. Right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, otherwise, that's it. So when we do submit an offer, we will write on the offer that it's pending the results of a structural inspection, and that will usually suffice for the seller to allow us to conduct that on your behalf. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so okay. the, the documents that you've read, the, the purchase facilitation fee is for us to facilitate the entire purchase. There's no hourly limit on the amount of time that will work to do that. But if you do want us to do anything that's non-routine, like for example, to go and conduct a viewing on your behalf, um, to um, to apply for any, um, to purchase and install any furniture or appliances, do renovations, that kind of thing, we just charge by the hour, plus transportation expenses if we have to go somewhere. Mm. That's basically it. So how... If you've got no more questions, how would you like to proceed? You want me to send you... Did I send you the engagement documents already? I uh, don't think oh, so, pardon, no. Pardon. Um, yeah, so again, scrolling down, I think maybe I didn't send you the engagement documents yet. So I'll send you those to have a look at. We'll need them to... Uh, you're all in Sweden, are you? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Notary Public readily accessible to you there? Uh, I... Pro pro probably. I mean, uh, to be fair, I've never. I mean, I've never done this kind of thing before. When someone else has watched me sign something, so I mean, I'm assuming there is. I just need to figure out where to go, basically. Just yeah, you need to. Usually, it's just a case of googling it and making an appointment. I'm just not sure how expensive it is in um, in Sweden. Like we got customers in Hong Kong, for example, where it costs them five hundred dollars to to notarize a document. So they found other right. solutions. Uh, it so, looks yeah. like it's about twenty five to thirty bucks here. A quick Perfect. Google tells okay. me. Okay, that's very good. Um, so I'll send those to you. Um, you can start working on them. Meanwhile, if you want us to start working, I can also send you the invoice. Once that's paid, we can start contacting third parties on your behalf as well. So um, you can work on the, the documents. We'll need to this to show closer to when we're signing the contract. Probably not before that. So you've got, um, I'd say, at least a few weeks to work on them if you want to. Nice. Okay, so that's it. No more questions. Uh, yeah, very easy uh, to please. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, 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 we have we have. So I had one. I think Mangaviga had one. Uh, so just like in 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 a theoretical scenario, I was just something that hit, uh, thought that hit me. In a theoretical scenario, like we have we have our like we have our um, we have our, uh, we have our budget so to speak. But in the theoretical scenario that we find. Uh, we, we find a property which like this one is perfect but it's just just above what we can afford are there any solutions for that or i mean since since we are not resident since we are not since we don't live there we can't go to the bank and take a loan so to speak no. are there any systems in place for anything anything like that um if negotiate price negotiation is a kind of a solution if we can get the price down um to your budget but otherwise i don't know of any solutions now okay thanks yeah. I mean, if you want to try to find other people to get in the purchase with you, but that's not going to be your group of friends kind of home anymore. Yeah, is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Mm. 
We interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo, and they offer a home away from home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, if that's still a thing, or if you just need somewhere quiet to get away from the world. They offer a variety of options for families, corporate relocations, or even if you're simply transitioning between homes in Tokyo. The properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They come with fast, unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in. Fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know. They're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but longer term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly in a Japanese business hotel. So if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home, with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, etc. You definitely want to reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profit, or a holiday home that you want to rent out when you're not using it via short-term stays, drop them a line today, see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth a visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at sales at realestate.jp. And now back to the podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah well, I had a question as well that I wrote down before yep. that we also talked about a bit. Uh, so in our case, we have, we have friends who currently have an apartment uh, in Japan. And that's also like kind of the reason that we think this is a cool thing to do because we've seen what they've done with their place and stuff like that. But they, mm. they have an apartment uh, in, a, in an association and stuff. And that's yep. also that's something that we have talked about. Like, what is, could you just, um, if it's possible, uh, like run us through the pros and cons of getting a house versus getting a, an apartment, yep. like, a, yep. you know, as part um, of an association? So, yeah, so definitely, um, usually when people ask us for a holiday house, they, they want it because they want the yard. So as long as you're okay with not having that, um, and as long as you're okay, obviously, with the proximity to the neighbors, then I would say that, I mean, from a maintenance perspective, an apartment is much better because you'll be paying your monthly fees, which is going to be, I don't know, let's say about 200, 250 bucks, just, just as a rough number. Um, but that will cover all of your structural expenses. You're never going to have to fix a roof, the walls, the windows, everything that's um, exterior to the property is handled by the owner union and the building management company. Um, so instead of having sudden unexpected expenses that come and go and fluctuate, you just know that you're paying that much every month and that covers everything. Um, so there's an advantage to that, definitely. Also, if at any point in the future, for any reason, you stop using the property and you do want to rent it out, uh, it's a lot easier to rent out an apartment than a house. There's, um, there's only so many people that actually rent houses in Japan. Most of them rent apartments or they buy their own house. If it's a family, they get a mortgage and buy a house. 
So house rentals are possible. We do have a couple of customers that do rent a house, but it's um, it's a lot easier and more manageable to rent out an apartment as well. Okay. Yeah, the main reason I asked, uh, that all sounds very good, it's a great answer, but um, the main reason I asked is because uh, uh, the, the people that we, that we know, they got some problems with, with the association, like they thought that they, like they owned their apartment, but they thought that they were renting it out, they were asking if they were using it as an Airbnb when they weren't, and they were, it kind of felt like it, it were creating problems for them, if you if you know what I mean, but do you know, if, I mean, do you know more about that, like how yeah, the Japanese... associations look at this? Japanese people, as a rule, tend to be very foreigner shy, um, which is a polite way to say that, that they're more than a bit racist in many aspects. So when they do see foreigners, especially groups of foreigners coming in and out, um, mm. obviously it can happen in the countryside too, right? You could have a nosy neighbor who's complaining about you bringing foreigners and doing Airbnb without permission and stuff like that. In an ordinary mm. union, there's always a higher chance of that happening just because of the proximity to everyone. So yeah. there's five neighbors to report that they've seen five people coming in and out instead of a single nosy neighbor, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, it's only the only thing they can do is to bother you with questions for a while. And once they realize that it's your apartment, they'll just have to let it go. There's not much else that okay. they can do. Really. So they can't, they can't, they can't like, you know, uh you know, find the reason to evict you or anything like that wouldn't be a problem. They can't evict you from your own property. That's definitely not, not something that <laughs> no, they good. can do. Um, no, all good. they can do, is, I mean, look, they could, if they want to be really annoying, they could constantly pester you that you're not throwing the rubbish in the right place, that you're making noise at night, that you shouldn't be uh, closing doors too loudly or walk more um, quietly on the floor. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just annoying owner union stuff that you might experience more of uh, being foreigners, but it also depends what you do with the apartment. I mean, depending mm. that that's probably another thing that I should have pointed out is if you do want to have the freedom of being able to play your music or watch your movies or play your games or whatever you want in a more peaceful environment without neighbors complaining, then a house is probably better. Yeah. Mm. Again, there could be annoying neighbors, but there's not going to be such a high risk of being that many of them. All right, all right. That sounds good. Yeah. Yep. I think I think all all in all, I mean the the existence of a yard is kind of probably like the least important part. I think. Uh, yeah. It's it's. I mean, since we're not going to be there all the time, I mean, the less yard, the better, actually. To be honest. So I mean, yeah, the garden are, maintenance can be expensive. I agree. Yeah, so I mean, we are we have been talking about a house mainly, but just just more most because the the idea of a house is more attractive. But I don't think we're limited to a house specifically. So I mean, if we could find an apartment as well within the within the perimeters that we have set, that's also uh, of interest. I would say. Uh, okay. So okay. so so we're not limited to a house per se. It's just that that's what we've been thinking about the most. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, we're open for apartments as well. Yeah, I think the the main reason we talked about at that point was that uh, like in a an apartment with an association stuff obviously has like a rent, while a house might not have rent, but it might also have other costs like you know as you said like maintenance depending on the age and stuff. So that might be equivalent to rent anyway. Uh, that's um, also part of like way we sort of yeah. I mean, you can. Uh, there's no way you're going to be renting a two LDK apartment in Japan for what you'll be paying in monthly building fees. That you're talking about two hundred and fifty bucks, mm. I think. Um, Two LDK apartment to rent wouldn't be less than a thousand dollars in most uh, cities in Japan. So, okay, that's good to know. Yeah, because but, I mean, look, I mean, the... you can look at it at rent, but it's—I, I'd say that's probably not the right way to look at it. The more correct way to look at it would be: if you own a house, you don't pay any monthly fees, 
but then every five years or 10 years, the roof goes, you need to do termite protection, uh, you know, the, there's a typhoon and the window breaks. That's what you should be comparing the monthly fees to because that's what they're saving you. They're saving you from the structural maintenance expenses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what we uh, we thought as well when we did the math that like, I mean, at face value, it looks very nice to not have rent, but then, I mean, I also grew up in a house, so I know like <laughs> how much it can cost to live in a house eh? yeah. <laughs> as such. So yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so I think I've got everything I need to kick off research. I'll send you a copy of it. Oh, if you could just reply to our last email with just that summary of the criteria we've just discussed, uh, 9 million within such and such distance from Tokyo, apartments or houses, both okay, 15 minutes to station, everything that we just discussed. Yeah, and then sure. I'll reply with the engagement document. And Oh, and if you could only also include um, names and addresses or a name and address to put on the invoice, and then I'll reply with our engagement documents and the invoice. Sure. All right. Exciting Sounds stuff. Good. Looking forward to helping you with that one. Yes. We're, we're very excited to see where, where, where this goes. Good stuff. Speak to you soon. Yeah. Thank you very All much. Right. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Bye. 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 So there you have it. Good, solid conversation that should be of interest to any of you who are sitting on the fence and waiting to pull the trigger on that first holiday home purchase in the land of the rising sun. Hope you found some value in it. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku. Yoroshiku.